Sickle cell anemia is a blood disease where the blood takes the shape of a sickle. That restricts the blood flow because the blood cells can literally hook together. Now the disease only affects Africans or people of African descent, but in truth, the disease really just isn't talked about enough, especially when one in 12 people of African descent are born with the trait. To be clear, the trait is not the disease. I say it like that because police have used the sickle cell trait as a way to mask misconduct, and even in some cases, the disease itself. It is infuriating, but it's easy to do because a lot of black people don't even know much about the trait or the disease. But today we're gonna change that at least a little bit because we are going to meet Lathan Singleton III. He is the founder of Unspoken Hero Society. He was moved to start this nonprofit because he wanted to provide support, advocacy, and tools to those facing chronic illness as he grew up his entire life having the sickle cell disease. We'll get to know more about him, his experience with the disease, and how we can help those who are dealing with the disease on a daily basis on this week's The Word. Watch this. You are now listening to The Word with Jackie Ray. Welcome back to The Word once again. I'm Jackie Ray. Before we hear from my very special guest today, I do want to say thank you guys so much to those of you who DM'd me and said you're really enjoying the podcast and that you appreciate the coverage. I really appreciate all the positivity, so please keep those coming. But I wanna remind you guys that this podcast is here for you. I wanna learn about your communities. I wanna learn about what's important to you. I wanna talk about the things that you don't feel are getting enough attention. So please, if there's something you want me to talk about or you want me to look into, go ahead and DM me like you've been doing on my social media on Instagram and Twitter. That's Jackie Ray TV. Or you can email me here at the post. My email address is Jackie at lbpost.com. Like I said, I'm really excited about today's very special guest because chances are, if you're black, you probably know at least one person who has the sickle cell disease. Even with the one friend that I have that does have sickle cell, there is clearly so much I did not know because I learned so much from talking to Lathan. And I am very impressed with how he has been able to manage his disease and use his knowledge about it to help others dealing with sickle cell and a lot of other people dealing with different kinds of chronic illnesses. And I can't wait to dive more into his story right now. So... How did I find you? I can't remember. Did um, I find you or did you find me? I found you. Okay, you found me. So, um, ironically, your podcast showed up. I forget which one it was, mm-hmm. um, but it caught me. Good. And that's when I DM'd you. I was like, I have a story. Um, I have a foundation. I have a blood drive mm-hmm. coming up in June. Yes, I'm really glad you did because I don't think enough people really know about sickle cell, even within the black community. No. We just don't know enough about it, about why we should get tested to find out if we have the trait, all of that. So we're going to touch on all of that. But first, I want to go back and just talk a little bit about you because you were diagnosed when you were 10 months? I was six months. You were six months? Six months. Do Do you know what caused your parents to want to get you tested or was there some issues that you were going through that they were like, we've got to find out if this is what it is? 
Well, um, my family has a line of sickle cell, okay. so I am Lathan the third. Okay. The second Lathan died of sickle cell. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an aunt Paulette who died of sickle cell. So our family is very experienced in that realm. Um, we know about the sickle cell trait. We know what happens when you have a child with another person that has a sickle cell trait. So the minute they found out my father had the trait, it was pretty much known mm-hmm. I was going to be born with it. So I didn't even really need to be diagnosed. So if if you if, if I have the sickle cell trait, but then I have a child by someone who doesn't have the sickle cell trait. Is it a 50-50 chance if my... It's less than almost 10% chance you will get the trait. Okay. Now, that case happens a lot. For me, I have the full disease. Mm-hmm. So I will pass down the trait if I have a child with someone that doesn't have the trait or the disease. Okay. If you have the trait, just look at that as a quarter. Mm-hmm. Look at me as 50% you would have a 75% chance of having a child with sickle cell. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So we're going to break that down a little bit more too, but I just want to talk about growing up. Um, so you've, you've always known you've had it. Um, so let's talk about when you're in grade school, stuff like that. It, what What are the differences that you experienced as a child versus some of your peers? <sighs> having fun as a child was different for me. Mm. Um Stress to the body causes sickle cell crisis. And I'm living in Phoenix, Arizona, where it's 110 every day. Mm -hmm. So playing football, I had to be safe with that. I love sports. Going into the pool, my mother would make me take ibuprofen before and after as a blood thinner and as a painkiller so I don't go into crisis. Um, Going on field trips, I would have to have... It was a 90, so I had to have a pager on me. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those things um, set my life up. I was still very built. I still played football to the furthest extent, still pushed it, still had an amazing childhood, but I was in the hospital a lot for sure. So when you go into crisis, what does that look like? Do you feel it coming on or can it just come on or is it, is it both? It's a little bit of both. You have times where it starts off like a small flame. Okay. And there's no stopping that flame. You know it's going to grow, so you have to handle it. You have to fix it at that moment. Other times, it's a full, your house is on fire. Mm -hmm. You wake up and your house is on fire. So what does it feel like? It feels like a broken bone. It feels Mm -hmm. like... The best way I've heard it described, and I agree with this, it's like a screw being hammered into your bone. Ooh. And so when you when you go into the hospital, it's just the pain has become unbearable? It's, come, it's become completely unbearable. Mm-hmm. So you go into the ER, all they can really do is flood you with pain medication. Oh, that's all they I thought they were treating it. Because I have a friend who, who has sickle cell, and as, when we were in college, he sometimes would just tell me we would be out and he'd be like, okay, just drive me to the hospital. So I think it's like what you were saying. He would feel it coming on you know and it's coming. I, the whole time. I thought they were actually treating him, but you're saying that you were just. It's fluids, pain medication. If your blood is, if your body is not producing that many red blood cells, we get blood transfusions. Okay. Um, through the nineties, throughout the two thousands. And even now that it's, that's still standard. Wow. So there's no, we haven't evolved in our treatment of sickle cell. 
not when it comes to the hospital room, no. And as far as our personal life, our day-to-day, there's absolutely medications that help now. So what medications are you taking now that you weren't taking when you were younger? So we have now, folic acid has always been a thing. Okay. Um, the new drug we have now is hydroxyurea, which is a leukemia drug. It's a chemo drug, but it keeps your blood cells... Um, circular. It keeps them in shape, keeps them controlled. So if I had that in the 90s, if I were to, I wouldn't have to take ibuprofen all the time. I wouldn't have to worry about going to crisis during a football game. Um, There's a lot of other medications now that are born thanks to that. But hydroxyurea is commonplace for sickle cell patients now. We all take it. And so one of the things that I've seen the trait is just, I have the trait, I don't have the disease, which means it's just in my DNA, correct? Yeah, correct. You're just a carrier. And just a carrier. And then the disease is just totally different. And I've been I've been doing some research and I've been seeing, um, unfortunately, I do believe a lot of police departments throughout the country have been able to hide behind sickle cell because of the lack of understanding. There was one gentleman by the name of Jason Pierce, and he died 30 hours after he was taken into police custody. And when he died, the police wrote the report that said he died of natural causes because he had the sickle cell trait. And that's incorrect, right? Correct. Dean Smith was handcuffed, gasping for air, and told police that he couldn't breathe. And then you can hear on the body cam footage that one of the cops called him a boy and told him that he was exaggerating. But same thing, when he died, that report cited the cause of death as sickle cell. So I, I, one of the reasons that I wanted to talk to you, aside from the fact that I think we as black people need to know more about this, I think the general population needs to know about this. So when they can, so when they see these kinds of reports from police, they know that that's not a thing. You're not just going to up and die like that from sickle cell, right? Not at all. So what, what is, you, you said you have family members who've died. What was the process? You know, if you, if you feel comfortable talking about that, like, as they neared the end? So as they neared the end, um, sickle cell was only the catalyst for the death. Um, we already have, we're already naturally prone to infection. That's a given. Mm-hmm. Um, as you get older, you start to become more vulnerable to infection. On top of the sickle cell, you're gonna, my aunt passed from pneumonia um, and the second Lathan also passed from pneumonia. Um, that's usually always the cause. It's the sickle cell invites an infection. That infection, you don't have the power to fight it off. You're in a sickle cell crisis. Your body's weak. You don't have the will to fight it off anymore. And that's usually the way things go. So why do you think police, is the second they find out someone has sickle cell, why do you think they try to hide behind that? Because sickle cell is not known, mm-hmm. because no one wants to do the research into that, that is a great way to hide behind it. Now, you're basically not acknowledging the trauma you put that person through while trying to arrest him. You're not looking at sickle cell crises don't happen out of the blue. Trauma has to be involved. Lack of oxygen. Why is there a lack of oxygen in these people? Mm-hmm. What is going on with right. that? Like, if people were to say, if, if a knowledgeable person were to say, okay, he died from the sickle cell trait, had a crisis, whatever, what caused it? What stopped his, what got his oxygen levels so low? Right. 
especially if you're just getting arrested. I'm personally not surprised, but I I did feel that that was something you would be able to give insight on because I do think, like you said, people just don't know and they don't take the time to research. But that's that's the other thing. I um I watch a lot of paternity court. Don't judge me. Okay. Um, <laughs> but um, I saw a case a couple of weeks ago that I found fascinating because the the child had sickle cell, but neither parent, to their knowledge, had sickle cell. And then come to find out they both got tested and they both had the trait. So it was one of those things where, you know, and both of them had this look of shock on their face and they were like, why, how am I just, you know, both of them were like late 20s. They're like, how am I just now finding out that I have this trait? I don't think I've ever been tested for the trait. I don't know if anybody in my family has. Is that something that we should, as black people, start requesting? That is 100% something we should start requesting. One, it doesn't have to be passed down. And if you catch it early, you can learn early. You can learn how to handle your child better. Mm -hmm. Um, I've had situations where children I've mentored, they had their first, they had a a lot of sickle cell crisis from ages six months to seven years old and had no idea they had sickle cell. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. You undiagnosed you were putting your body through all that trauma because that's a lot of trauma and the parents had no idea. So then what happens if they didn't know he grows up and he has children, that gene is just getting passed down unknowingly mm-hmm. to where you're eventually, you'll see a death. You'll see someone who couldn't with unfit circumstances that could not handle sickle cell. Knowledge is power. You should absolutely get checked and prepare when did you decide, you know what, I don't want to just live with this. I want to help people who are living with not only this illness, but other illnesses that they have to live with for the rest of their life. When did that light bulb go off for you? So I was playing football. That was my dream. I wanted to get a free education. Wasn't good enough to play D1 or anything, but I could have went to a small school and got a free education. Mm-hmm. Um, my body starts to break down through high school. Um, I'm playing every game. I'm playing both sides of the football. I go to the hospital a lot more. Um, I try to adjust. My coach says, we'll put you in one position. You don't have to practice hard. We want you here. It's not working. So around 17, um, my counselor calls me into the office. And it's her. It's my dad. It's my doctor, my head coach. And they give me the rundown. You can't play anymore, dude. Like, your body is breaking down. You're in the hospital a lot more. You're only 17. You can't do that. So I leave that office and I immediately start crying. I'm bawling. A few months later, that same counselor calls me back into the office. And she says, there's a girl in our school. I'm not going to say her name, but she's pregnant. Had the baby and the baby has sickle cell teach her how to raise her child, teach her how to make sure her child is good. Okay. So I went with her on that journey and I saw the child have his first crisis at six months. Mm. Now, this is my first time seeing anyone other than myself in a sickle cell crisis and to see his face and... um. Because he has no idea what's going on. No idea. But he's his body is swollen. He's completely red. He's 
the minute you see him, I knew. I'm like, oh, this is a sickle cell crisis. This is what it looks like looking from the outside. Um, and that changed me. That lit something in me for sure. That was the start of it. Created Unspoken Heroes. That was the original name. And that's what carried on with it. Um, that's what sparked the sickle cell part of it. That's what sparked the, the love for just helping people. Mm-hmm. As I'm going, I'm still going to the hospital. I'm going at least twice a month. Mm-hmm. With sickle cell, we are ruined with cancer patients. Hematology and oncology are always on the same floor in every hospital. Okay. So cancer patients. Um, you would have some autoimmune disease patients. I'm starting to befriend all of these people. And I'm in there so long with them that I'm seeing what they're going through. And likewise, mm-hmm. a lot of these people began to pass away. These were people with cancer that was not treatable. Um, from children on, none of it was treatable. Ended up losing a lot of those people. And that gave me the motivation to also help other people with chronic illnesses. Because we all, being in that hospital room with them, we both went through the same fight of just trauma, just enduring the pain, enduring being in four walls for more than two weeks. You, may, you build rapport with people and you realize we speak the same language. We just have different illnesses. So your first, I guess, charitable act with Unspoken Heroes was helping this mother with her baby. And you didn't even yeah. know it yet. Had no idea. That's amazing. Had no idea. And... He wants to play football soon. Um, I'll be the one to guide him with that since I did it for 12 plus years. Um, He wants to thrive with this illness. He wants to do pretty much everything I did. That's where the mentoring bug came in. That's when I caught the bug to just go forward with this. So that's that's basically what you do is you mentor people on this journey of their illness. I do. There's there's a lot of personal trauma you go through. Um, There's a lot of because of what the stereotype with sickle cell that you're, is mostly, mostly affects African-Americans, mm-hmm. there's a face to the disease. The disease. Mm-hmm. When you go into these hospitals, they don't treat you the same. That builds even more trauma. I try to just guide them on that journey to adulthood and avoid those traumas. Um, going through heartbreak, going to a crisis because of a heartbreak going into a crisis because you're having family problems, um, not focusing on your mental health and then watching your physical health decline because of it. All of those things I try to teach to people. Um, that, you know what, that, that just hit my heart because I've had heartbreak as, as we have all had, and that's a trauma within itself. And then having to not only deal with that emotional and mental side of it to know that you might also have to deal with the physical side of it. That's, that's elevated more than I can actually imagine. Yes. And so I think it's great to know that someone like you is there to help guide people through that because I I have no idea. Like I said, I had a friend who in college had it and this whole time I'm thinking he's getting treatment. Yeah. I had no idea that they were just basically trying to make him comfortable. The first thing you have to do is make that patient comfortable Mm -hmm. Um, because the pain itself is traumatic. Um, There's been situations where I've seen people be left alone, um, doctors not take them seriously, not give them pain meds, and they're sitting in that hospital bed and they're screaming at the top of their lungs. 
They're screaming for help at the top of their lungs and everyone's just hearing them around them and no one's there to help them. Mm -hmm. That is pretty much torture in my opinion. And that is traumatic. That leads to a decline in mental health, which makes your physical health health worse. Mm -hmm. And you're going to be in that hospital room even more dealing with the same trauma over and over and over again. And you get stuck in a cycle. You know, it. we've had so many stories about, um, like Dr. Susan Moore, who basically foretold her own death after she contracted COVID. And of course, she was a black doctor. And she literally went on social media talking about how the hospital in Indiana wasn't listening to her. They didn't believe her when she was talking about her pain. And they basically ignored her. And then when she died, the chief of staff at that hospital blamed her for her death, saying that, she was very knowledgeable, and obviously, since she was a doctor, she intimidated the staff, and that's why they didn't treat her properly and with some dignity. And unfortunately, that's that's just a story that's well known. But as far as w- black women have a higher mortality rate when it comes to giving birth because our pain is not heard. Um, uh, Serena said that she she had she not demanded certain treatment, she might've died. And they found out after she gave birth that she did have a blood clot because she had been complaining of pain and they kind of just blew her off. So we know these types of things happen to us as black people, as far as in our, in our medical system, when you're in a situation where you do have sickle cell and you automatically know that's going to mean if you hit a crisis, you know, that's gonna, That's the outcome. So you're more likely to go to the hospital than I do. Do you think, do you have an easier road in explaining your pain and someone actually taking your, you seriously when they are African-American versus any other doctor? Yes. You find that the, I noticed that the nurses that look like me, the doctors that look like me, whether they're black or just a person of color, mm-hmm. their empathy levels on a different stratosphere. Um, there are very cultural traumas that, spill into the medical field um in slavery there is a stereotype that black people could not feel pain and they didn't take that seriously that's Mm -hmm. obviously still in the medical field to in the healthcare system today Mm -hmm. again i said sickle cell patients need pain medication not too long ago you had the crack the crack era and you had Mm -hmm. crack propaganda with richard nixon and how he said that Black people were more susceptible to becoming addicted. Mm-hmm. Black people and hippies. Right. That's who he targeted. Mm-hmm. All those things spilled into the system, the healthcare system. And it's, I feel like it's easier for people that look, at a, look like us to identify th- that propaganda. Mm-hmm. It's not tattooed in their brains like it would be for someone else. Because right. propaganda is really hard to get rid of. It is. And we should do a whole podcast on that. I think that's possible. <laughs> but, <laughs> but tell me some of the things that you have coming up with your nonprofit. Oh, man. So June 17th, we have a blood drive at Christ Second Baptist Church here in Long Beach. That'll be from 1 to 7. There will be a sponsor code coming up within the next month that I'll be posting on my Instagram and my foundation's Instagram. Um, that will be That will be the first thing coming. And then I will have open mics coming where chronic illness patients will come up and tell their story. That can be anyone from person with sickle cell to chronic depression to chronic anxiety. I'm from Arizona. That's 
was my bread and butter. Mm -hmm. It was like a humongous therapy session. Open mics are a great tool for that. Mm -hmm. um, that is what I have in the work so far. And if somebody is, is suffering from a chronic illness, how can they how can they reach out and just say, yes, I need some help? You can reach out to me at um, Lathan James on Instagram. You can go to the unspokenherosociety.org and contact me there as well. I will definitely give you a call. Yes, I'm so glad that you came in today. I'm going to come to the blood drive, I told you. Now, one more question about that. If I don't know my blood type, can I still donate? If you don't know your blood type, you can absolutely still donate. Okay. They'll put you through a physical beforehand. Um, depending on your blood type, it'll be, it'll, it doesn't really matter. If everyone needs blood. Any blood type is welcome. Um, there is a blood shortage here in Southern California. Sickle cell patients absolutely need blood. Blood transfusions are vital for us. Mm -hmm. So this is a very important event. Is that something that people, I know events like this are great, but if, if people can and, and are able, is that giving blood something they should just try to do regularly? Yes, 100%. Especially if they are a person of color because um, it is very difficult to find matches. It's very difficult to find matches with other races that donate blood. You're I did not know that either. If you're a person of color, you have certain enzymes, you have certain uh, traces that are a lot more compatible with us. Good to know. So I'm, you know, recruiting a lot of people of color out here. Well, I guess I'll just bring my cheese. I'll <laughs> talk about it. And I will be there and I will be donating and I'll cover that as well. Talk, I appreciate Thank you it. so much. Is there anything else you want to add? No, I appreciate I appreciate you. I appreciate the Long Beach Post. I appreciate Long Beach Period for welcoming me and I'm putting some work out here. The interesting thing is that the sickle cell trait is now known to protect against malaria. And malaria thrives in Africa, which explains why most people with sickle cell are African of African descent, even if that means they come from the Caribbean or Latino countries. But that African descent is also why it's important for people of color to give blood. Because according to Dr. Abra Madbulish, a senior scientist at Be The Match, our HLA, which stands for human leukocyte antigens, basically evolves based on the type of threat that we receive as humans in a specific region. So it's a basically a mutation that helps our blood protect us, for example, like the sickle cell trait protects against malaria in Africa. So what that means is if you need blood, if you're receiving blood, the closer the match is to your donor's HLA, the less likely there's a chance of your body rejecting the blood, which is why it's so important for people of color to make sure they give blood because we have a different HLA based on the region that we're from. But in truth, everyone should give blood because you just never know what life you're going to be able to save. So I encourage everyone listening to this podcast to mark your calendar, set the date on June 17th and plan to give blood at the Christ Second Baptist Church that's located at 1471 Martin Luther King Boulevard. You can also go to the unspokenherosociety.org and you can donate there. Or if you are suffering from any chronic illness and just need someone to talk to, some help, some guidance, you can visit their IG page as well, which is Unspoken Hero Society, and they will walk you through several different 
resources and help even be an ear to listen or a shoulder to cry on they will definitely be that and i love what lathan singleton has posted if you go to their website and you go all the way down to the bottom of the home page he has something that i want each and every person who's listening to this who might have a chronic illness i want you to really hear this and i want you to be encouraged because it says the illness you carry is not who you are and you are not alone wherever you find our logo you will find a friend the society will always be a sanctuary for the unspoken i think that is so beautiful Once again, I'm Jackie Ray, and remember, if you have to speak a word, make it a good one.